yesterday was a little bit of a sad day in the aspect that we no longer were drafting for the upcoming NFL season. But like the Phoenix rising out of the ash, that meant that the appetizer for football was on last night. And it was a terrible appetizer where the Bills just smashed the L.A. Rams with no remorse. Today, myself, Eric Bimefor, are going to take a look at the exposures that we have, some of the combinations we have, and all of that using the Spike Week tool to see uh, what kind of season we're going to have for 2022. <music> Finally, Eric, we are doing this exposure show that we were trying to get done earlier in the week, but life happens, the NFL happens, and here we are doing it today. And there you are in mute again. It's beautiful. It's it's perfect. So, just an absolute shit show. Can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. You're a little muffled, but uh, we can hear you. Um, you go 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 ahead. I'm fixing. I'm fixing the mic here. All right. So today we are going to talk about some of our different exposures throughout different tournaments. Uh, DraftKings, also what we did on Underdog. And I'm pretty excited about it because there's some stuff. We did this a little bit halfway through the year. And it was such a good thing to do because it caught. I caught some stuff in my portfolio that I was like, oh, that's probably bad that I'm not doing any of that. I think the one that really stood out was CD lamb at the time I, we, I was about close to a hundred drafts in on best ball mania and I hadn't drafted CD lamb once and it wasn't by any design for that particularly, but it's because I thought mentally he was probably going a little too high and maybe I thought he was hoping to slip. And uh, there was a couple other guys that I wasn't high enough on. So there's some mistakes I made this off season that I'm going to look at correcting next year um, what have you learned about your exposures throughout the year and what you want to work on next year yeah um kind of piggybacking off of what you said with cd um not necessarily something i learned as a lesson or whatever for next year but something that i learned this was actually this was one thing where i think i feel like i got lucky i mean we'll see when the results play out but last, literally last week, I did a show. We brought um, Pat Corrine and, I, you know, I had brought Pat on similar to what you mentioned that we did a while mm -hmm. back, like early in the offseason and like kind of like if we're halfway through, we would call it of like best ball mania drafts or whatever and talk through exposures and all of that. And that really helped. And so I brought Pat back last week and we did the same thing where we talked through, you know, exposures, tried to see where maybe there were some gaps in our portfolio with only like one week left. Well, for me, which has, has been a blessing and a curse, I still had 40 BBMs to do uh, at that point. And so um, it wasn't like that. I didn't really, I didn't really plan that. It just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just mashing <laughs> BBMs in the last few days before it filled. And AJ Brown 
similarly to your point about CD Lamb, was a player who I think I had like ten percent when we did the when we did the show, which is like it wasn't like I had two percent, but you just don't really realize until you really dig into all this stuff. And there's so many players and combinations and all that that you can dig into where I was like, I'm talking to Pat and I'm like, I love AJ Brown. I'm like, I love AJ Brown. I'm yeah. really on the Eagles. And like, I take obviously lots of early wide receivers. Why do I have 10% of him and not like 20 or something like that? So um, I was able to rectify that. And my, I mean, I, I was messaging Pat that I was like multi-table and BBMs and just like every second round, it was just AJ Brown, AJ Brown, AJ, AJ Brown. Brown. Like yeah. not even thinking, you know, just because I'm like, I got to get this exposure up and I think it will see it. I, I, I took him like a million times. So I think I'm way overweight on him now. But that's part of the lesson is that last year I never did any of that. It mm. was just like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I don't know any sorts of combinations, little things. Obviously, we have the overlay tool, and then we'll we'll pull up the draft IQ tool and stuff that have been super beneficial. But just being able to see, like, when I took Justin Jefferson and I get further down the board, and you see either a player that you're like so so on, or a player that you love, and and your exposure with Justin Jefferson, or I like to do it. We, we have our settings just a smidge different, you and I, on the overlay tool. But I like to do it also with my first quarterback. And then my first round pick, I don't maybe I should do it with my second round pick, too. But I really like to hone in on the first round pick and that quarterback, because those mm -hmm. are like kind of the driving forces of the team to me, at least structurally, especially. And so I'm just constantly adapting through there where it's like, um, you know, you sold me a little bit more on Christian Kirk. I'm like, I would get to that range. And it was like I took Elijah Moore every time or Devonta Smith every time or whatever. Now I see, oh. I have zero Christian Kirk and Justin Jefferson. There's no reason I should have 0% if I still like him in this range. And so just going through that exercise, like kind of constantly reiterating that, that exercise of the player combinations and just massaging my exposures and not in a way that I think people would normally do it where they're like, oh, I have too much of that player. Like, we'll, we'll see you and I did not, <laughs> we don't really have that approach. We have, you know, 40% or whatever of players. But the approach of if I like said player, why do I have 8% of this guy and 21% of the other guy and, and then combinations and such? The, the other thing before we start looking at these numbers for me that I need to make sure that I'm mentally aware of next year. I was on Kyle Pitts this year and I want I mean, but who wasn't? So this is the problem. So <laughs> yeah. everyone, every analyst is, is pitching Kyle Pitts throughout the offseason. And in my brain, I'm like, the casuals are going to come in. They're going to look at the one touchdown, and they're not going to draft them. So I thought in August I was going to be able to get Kyle Pitts at a cheaper price. What I didn't equate for was, like, if you listen to any show or any podcast, Kyle Pitts' name was getting brought up in a positive light. Yeah. So his he actually got driven up the board slightly in August, so it became harder to get him. And my exposure, I'm overweight, quote unquote, but like your point with AJ Brown, you were like, I was at 10% and you felt underweight at 10% on AJ Brown. I'm at 12% on Kyle Pitts, or I think I was actually at 10% on Kyle Pitts as well. And I'm like, oh, I want to be at 20%. And I wasn't able to do that in BBM with Kyle Pitts. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of my biggest regrets. I'm like, I should have just been taking him earlier, but I tried to be too smart. It worked in other areas. There are other players that that worked out on. But I need to be cognizant of the fact next year, like, okay, well, Kyle Pitts, if you listen to 
any of the guys that we do a lot of shows with, they were on Kyle Pitts. Matthew Barry's on Kyle Pitts. I'm guessing like the fantasy footballers were on Kyle Pitts. So everyone's on Kyle Pitts. People are gonna be like, oh, I need to draft Kyle Pitts in these drafts. And I didn't, um, as I punched the table in, in anger, um, <laughs> I, I didn't take that into account. So my Kyle Pitts exposure is not exactly where I want it to be, even though I think it's 12 or 13%. We can look at it. I feels like I'm underweight. And there's guys like that where, like, I know I want to be 20%. I want to take stands on guys. I mean, to each their own. But the people that were showing their exposures and their their highest exposure is 17 18%, I don't want to live in that world, personally. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, everybody has different strategies. I totally understand all the different approaches. But, um, A, I wouldn't post them. <laughs> it was like, what, what, what's the point? Like, you didn't show anything. You know what I mean? Like, you just showed that you drafted everybody. Like you didn't show like one guy is 17%. Like, ooh, buddy. Like, I don't know. Um, but again, to each I, I there are smart people who, you know, just are gonna draft eight percent of everybody. It's not how I view this game, but I respect people that do. The point about Kyle Pitts is is so true in two ways. And um, it brought up the other thing that I was um thinking of before I rambled for too long about um AJ Brown and such was one, I do think us working in the space is helpful to this. And I think it's, it's one of my, I'm not uh, an NFL scout. I'm not uh, an expert in projections. I'm not an expert in any of that, but I think just doing what we do, you're able to put your finger on the pulse a little bit of the the industry and the market and kind of see the guys, especially having lived through it last year, right? Like maybe if this was the first year, it'd be a little different when we saw what happened to Brandon Ayuk and LaVisca and you know all these rookies and just the wide receiver thing that happened last year and you start to get a little bit of a and a, a smidge of Kyle Pitts last year you know he's a rookie tight end last year and he went at like a four or five four four or five turn or something like that getting spending time whether you're me you or somebody just getting into this spending time thinking about and maybe even like researching who who's gonna rise and who's gonna fall like you said, you're not going to be right about everybody. I got David Bell bags from like the 13th round, from like the 13th round, because he was a guy who I was thought was would kind of settle in in that you know like Jahan Dotson esque range or something. And I was wrong. I was totally wrong. But more often than not, I feel like when you're able to assess the market with Kyle Pitts, with um, I'm a Gabe, the Broncos wide receivers, Sky Moore. Um, you know, th- those kinds of situations, I feel like you can pickings. There's people who I-, I-, I didn't really get pickings, right? We did our show about the the big risers and both of us were kind of just like at market at pickings. I don't think I drafted him ever again. So I'm probably underweight him. So I wouldn't call that a win, but I could, I could understand and foresee him rising. And so that is a big thing. That's hard. Cause it's, it's a soft skill. It's not a hard skill. And so that's a difficult thing, but I think it's one of the more important things. And then the other one is kind of what you said with Kyle Pitts, where you kind of felt like you made an error. I feel like I did a lot better this year of that. And if you watch the last, the very last best ball breakfast from our friend, Peter Overset, that had Mike Leone on, you know, two of the sharper guys in the whole space, Leone mentioned it. And I think he was anti this a little bit last year where he's, you know, he's a quote unquote value hound, right. And stuff, but he would, talk about being willing to just smash that guy for as long as that guy is a value. Saquon Barkley is the example that always comes to my brain. Mm -hmm. When Saquon Barkley was going in the third round, 
if you start instantly diversifying and worrying about being overweight or whatever on that guy, if you're right and he's the best value, he's going to rise. You can always take less of him later when he becomes more expensive. You can never go retroactively go back. And if you were right, take more of him in the third round. And so that's actually kind of what I did. I don't have a shit ton of Saquon. I know some people that do. But a lot of what I did was it was the third round Saquon or the two, three turn Saquon, as opposed to like the one, two turn where we're at at the end at the end of the season. So it is when I have a take Kyle Pitts, Saquon Barkley or whatever, take them. MVS, we, you know, you and I are both really high on MVS. When he was going super late, I just took him. When Gabe was going in the sixth round, I just took him. I didn't give a shit about if I have 100%, if I drafted all my teams, 40 of my BBM teams, and I have 100% Gabe Davis, I can never take him again if I don't want to. Right. But you can never go back and take more of him. So that's, that's one of my big uh, lessons. 100% true. And there are certain guys that I was like, you know what? I'm still in on this guy, and I want to make sure that. I stay on this guy, even if he yeah. does rise up the board. So, I mean, I just, should we just start with BBM or do we want to look at all tournaments? I think, Let's look at BBM. I think all tournaments is a little tough to look at because some of those we were drafting, you know, a little early um, and it's, it's could just skew things. I think BBM gives us a better landscape. I have, I did max, I have the 150. We can look at the the big field ones uh bbm and we can look mm-hmm. at we can it, we, i've already done a show where we looked at my dk stuff but yeah then we could we could even look at some specific lineups maybe if we want to look at the big dog like you did a couple big dogs right i did a couple yeah. big dogs i did a couple of the dk uh 500 and and stuff like that if we want to like because we obviously have the lineups page we could look specifically at those two all right so let's start with just some of my highest exposures to absolutely no surprise to anybody mbs <laughs> is my top guy and i have 51 percent of him I have Dearness Johnson at 39%. A lot of that was just like mashing him 18th round. Uh, I stopped for a while when he started getting to the 16th, 15th round. Yeah. And then towards the end, I started grabbing him again in the 18th. Uh, Mahomes at 37%. Kirk at 37%. Javante Williams is the one I'm actually really happy with at 28%. I wanted to be pretty high on him. And I built a lot of anchor teams around Javante Williams. Then there's Garrett Wilson, 26%, Devonta Smith, 25%, Singletary at 24%, which looks good after last night, Rashad White at 21%, A.J. Brown, 20%, Damian Harris, Kendrick Bourne at 20%. Those are my guys that are over 20% and over. Um, One thing with the Spike Week tool that I found interesting is even if you have a high clip of some of these guys, right? So... Let's say Devonta Smith. If I put him in with Patrick Mahomes, I'm still probably, and I'm just winging this. I still go, probably go over, own, go over to go over to exposure, the exposure, and, and show it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might as well. So I just said Devonta Smith, right? That's who I said. Yes. And Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So if we add those two, I guarantee that I don't have more. I, I'm going to be right around probably ten teams with those two, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> Yeah, so nailed that. Literally 10. <laughs> and I did not I did not practice that. Um, <laughs> but the, the point that I was going to make is like, and on a grand scale, even though I am so overweight on these two guys, right? I have a ton of Devonta Smith. I have a ton of Patrick Mahomes. And of my 150, I only have 10 teams with them, which is probably way more than the field, 
Like, yeah. there's probably mm-hmm. most people have two or three. So I have like a giant edge, but it's still not that many. Like, if yeah. you think about it, 10 is 10 isn't that much. Um, and then you kind of look at the way it's built. You see like Kendrick Bourne, Alexander Madison are on half of those teams. To your point, like, was that ever a plan? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And then you see Cam Akers, who's a guy that I don't even have that high of, but he ended up on four of those 10 teams. So it shows you that how much people stick to ADP too, I think. And the aspect that like these guys were probably still all going around the same pockets and you kind of get tied to that a little bit. So people that do have these teams probably have some of these guys that are overlapping. So I'm still able to get unique on these builds by having 10 and it's still not even that many teams overall. And then even, even, even look further outside of the individual players and you like, you're hovering over, over the stacks. Mm -hmm. There's what one, two, two, you know, only two teams that you have stacked. Obviously Kansas city is going to be on every stack, everyone, because you have Patrick Mahomes. But outside of that, out of those 10 teams, there's, there's one team you have stacked more than three times and it's the jets, <laughs> right? Which is again, probably not, you weren't taking a big stand on the jets. It's just, that's just, you know, that, that's just how shit goes. We here doing 150 of these. You can't, you know, in real time, check every single player combination and stack while you're drafting. But that goes to the point of th- that's, you talked about lessons at the beginning. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a lesson where like, I want to know every single fucking combination that I have. Cause that's impossible. But, understanding this is important because when people say i'm just going to draft like you said i'm just going to draft eight to ten per- we talked about the people that like your highest exposure player is 17 percent or whatever that's fine but when you start to drill down then and you say okay i'm i'm a little bit risk averse and i want to be diverse across my guys but i do want to have more of whatever your two guys somebody wanted to have 17 percent of patrick mahones and 17 percent of devonta smith well somebody that has 30 plus percent of both of them only has 10 combinations of those guys. You want them to be your guys, but you don't want to take too much of a stand on them. You're not going to have them together together very often. And then you, let's say you have five of them. Mm -hmm. We're just rough math. You have five of Devonta Smith and Patrick Mahomes together. Then the next couple guys that you want to have on teams, you may not even have them at all on here and it might be like you said i know you well enough to know that you weren't taking some big stand on cam Akers. you weren't taking some big stand on on uh, uh let's look even probably brandon Ayuk because you're not crazy on the on the 49ers and you could just end up with teams on your favorite two players your whole y- your favorite two players and you could have combinations with them that you're like what the fuck i, yeah. I don't even like yeah. i don't even want this i don't even want this and so that's how it goes it's a, and like that's just part of the game. You're never going to be able to like fix that really. I don't, not yet. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll build some advanced computer uh, robots or whatever that help you when you draft. But generally speaking, you can't fix that, but you need to know it. And I think that's a flaw of the like, I'm just going to draft 10% of everybody. It's a flaw of that method because it's not drilling down any further. Like if you're making a DFS group and you want to say, I'm playing 10% of everybody on Sunday, mm-hmm. you would still be doing like, okay, my Patrick Mahomes teams look like this. My Josh Allen teams look like this. My Cam Akers teams look like this. It wouldn't just be ran. It wouldn't just be all totally random, you know, ten percent groups together. Yeah, and this is probably one of my highest type combinations here. It's Devonta Smith with MVS. MVS, who I have fifty one percent of, right? Seventy six teams or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like that's fucking insane. And <laughs> and fifteen of those is only with Devonta Smith, one of my other highest guys. 
So I'm looking at probably my highest combo is probably 15 to 18 teams. Actually, we can probably figure it out. It's probably it's MVS and Mahomes don't count. Well, just leave stack. MVS. Just leave. Just leave MVS. Yeah. Don't type anybody else in. Uh, ninth. Oh, then uh, we can just go talk. to the players. Didn't look at the players. Who's okay. The yeah, top? that's a good point. So Javonta Williams um, makes sense at. Mahomes is at 39, which makes sense. Yeah, Darren well, yeah, yeah. was a high. So, Dear- so yeah, these are so kind of big numbers, but mm-hmm. but, but it falls so off you, quick. Those are your four highest owned players, right? MVS, right. Mahomes, Dearness, and Kirk. And then we saw, and it's a big number with MVS specifically yep. because you have like 76, 77. You have 77 MVS mm-hmm. teams. Naturally, a lot of them are going to be with Mahomes. Right. And so. Then those next couple of stands that you took, you might get a decent clip of them together, as you see, 30, 32, 39. But mm-hmm. once you get past that, it's like you're in the you're in the teens. You're you're not even at 10%, you know, you're not even at 10% of your total teams. You have combinations of these guys. Um, with you took 77 MBS teams, and right. you still not even 10% of your teams are with you know him and Kendrick Bourne or whatever. Right. So I, I think that's like the point I was trying to make is just how like even taking massive stands, you don't get a ton of different combinations on a lot of your teams. So maybe your top four, like you can see here, there's a lot of Christian Kirk MVS overlay, but 30 and in the grand scheme, 30 of 150 is still a decent amount, but that's still 120 teams if that combo is not there. And I'm happy to have it on the 30, but yeah, it, it's just, it just it just shows exactly what we're talking about, right? Like, and the other point is to what you were bringing up when I was doing my drafts. If I was quick enough, I would hop on this site. I would hop on Spike Week, and I would put in my combos, even though I knew like the percentage of the first two. I would right. still put them in this little window here. See the rest of the to list, see right? the rest of the mm-hmm. list, and be like, okay, I'm going to try to be cognizant to either draft more of this guy with them, or why do I have you know, a hundred percent AJ Dillon when I only have 4% AJ Dillon. Right. And I need to make sure that I don't do that again, because that if you're low on a guy and it's a hundred percent with some of your other guys, then I almost feel like that player's dead as well. Like it, it might as well be 0% because it's uh, not that, different enough. That, that is almost more of the power of this conversation than the what do my MBS teams look like? You're when you draft seventy-seven teams of of MBS, you're probably going to have you know you're you're you you have stands with him, yep. and you're 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 definitely not going to be able to cover every base. Like that's the moral of this conversation. If you think you can cover every base in one hundred fifty teams, you are fucking sadly mistaken. Yeah, you're not yeah. even going to come close. Like you're nope. not even going to come close. I was drafting teams in BBM like my last couple of teams, and I'm like, how the fu-? and I'm like I have like. 16% Cooper cup or something like that. And I get to like the fourth round. I'm like, I don't have him. I, you know, my overlay is showing me like you have zero teams with him and Cooper cup. I'm like, this is my 149th team. I got 25 Cooper cup teams or whatever. I don't have any of this guy with Cooper cup. So you can't cover those bases, but what is probably more powerful, as you said that I have seen this, this actually happened with, um with uh when I did the show with Pat, where I have very little Jamal Williams, Right. Mm-hmm. He ends up getting mixed in because I draft so many. I have I'm, I'm approach. I, I've got almost to 50 percent zero running back teams in, in BBM. So he just becomes a part of that portfolio. But I draft, you know, he's nowhere near 
the top of my running back list. I'm underweight Jamal Williams. And it was AJ. We were looking at a combination and I think it was AJ Brown and maybe Rashad white, because that was Pat. That's Pat's boy, Rashad white. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at my AJ Brown, Rashad white teams. And I'm like, they all have Jamal Williams, 100% of my eight. And I'm like, I love AJ Brown. I love Rashad white. I just don't have a lot of them. I had like maybe four or something like that teams, but yep. those two guys and they all had Jamal Williams. Why do they all have Jamal? Williams? And then like, and then like three of them have Justin Fields and like Darnell Mooney. So clearly I was like, you know, doing something stupid with that game, but it's like, I don't want that. I, like, I don't, I don't want that, but I, but I want AJ Brown and Rashad white. And so you run into that issue where, like you said, the diversification thing happens with Jamal Williams where like, I'm, I understand diversification. I'm, I'll mix him in when he makes sense, when he's the best pick on the board or whatever. But then if you don't end up with him actually diversifying your portfolio, you're actually consolidating your portfolio with Jamal Williams onto the same combinations of players. You know what I mean? It would be like in DFS on Sunday if we played and you're like, oh, I'm going to play 5% Mahomes, but every Mahomes team is going to have Miles Sanders and Jamar Chase. It's like you didn't diversify at all. You actually did the opposite of diversifying. You put all those guys together into the same teams. And now if Jamal Williams is is great, but Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, you just dusted yourself with all of that. And so right. um that I don't know. I don't have the right, I don't have like the solution to this, but I'm I'm just being the shitty employee that brings the the problem and not the solution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 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 it it's a it's a it's a huge problem that no one ever thinks about. So I see two good comments that I want to bring up. The first one's yep. from Monroe. It says there are over three trillion combinations of team. If you can make, even if you only had five guys, you would take at every pick. Which is, is that? Is that real math? Um, I'm gonna take his word for it, but it he's sounds. He's got a about bow tie right. in his. He's got a bow tie yeah. and a tux in his picture. So I'm trusting that that's that's correct math. But that is fucking insane. Yeah. And then GA says, just blame week 17. LOL. <laughs> but sort of, sort of right because you might get funneled to certain players because you're building certain game stacks for week 17. Um, the other thing I just brought up on my screen because we talked about it is I brought up CD lamb and I was at 0% at, I think it was at zero or 1%. I think 0% at 98 drafts, if I remember correctly. And I was able to get that up to 7% and get actually, you know, almost to the field on CD lamb, but I still didn't love CD lamb in terms of where he was going at the top of the second round. And I think he was another guy I thought might fall late in the yeah. year and he just maintained value. And I'm okay with being right at, right at seven, 8% on this guy, but I had to do some work in order to get him back there after, after um, getting so low and getting a lot of low end picks in the last 50 drafts is part of the reason I got him up so high. Because you're not getting CD Lamb if you have a top five pick because of where he goes in general. Like if you did, you were super lucky. Yep. So that was C one of the ways to get him. CD feels like the guy that everybody has this take on that I do too. That like once you got past Devontae with the elite wide receivers, it was like, you tell me who's the best. Mm -hmm. CD, right? Deep there was Debo fell a little bit at the end, but there's CD, Debo. Um, AJ Brown, Tyreek, T, the Chargers, blah, blah, blah. But CD was the guy who's like, okay, well, <laughs> we all love CD. He went at the two, three turn last year. Now Amari's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, clear breakout guy, volume projection, blah, blah, blah. Dak, Dak in a theoretically good offense, although 
I'm not really so I'm not I'm not totally sold that the, the Cowboys are going to be this offense that uh, we thought, you know, maybe they're going to be. But he just got dropped into that. And like it, it couldn't budge because there was no upward. There was no upward momentum on anybody else enough to pass. Right. You know yep. what I mean? There was no way for Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts even to pass him. The running backs all there were like Mixon. Javante Swift, whatever, like Saquon got up into that range, but like there just wasn't without injuries, there just wasn't enough upward momentum on anybody else that CD became for like everyone that I know and talk to was like, I don't really like this cost on CD. If you like think of like a five year plan, you're like five years ago, if I took this profile at the 202 or whatever, like that's nuts, that's ridiculous, but it was like. Do you want some CD Lamb? Yes. I I don't want to have zero CD Lamb coming into this year. Like the cost is silly. If if you have a guy who you would draft, like let's say in the third round, and he goes in the early to mid second, and you're gonna say I'm not gonna draft any of him when mm-hmm. he's a whatever what's CD twenty three, you know, uh, superstar profile, blah blah blah. Then like that's that's silly to me. It's just then how, how much are you gonna get? You know, like how much CD how much CD did you have? Um. Again, I had seven percent. Yeah. CD. So that's what you you yeah. forced in seven percent. I think that that's a totally reasonable approach. I had um, Jacob Sanderson on this. This conversation reminds me of super super smart guy. He was awesome on the show. We drafted a team, and he we talked a lot about upside because he's he's very much like kind of with us on the upside uh, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he outlined it so perfectly that people come in and they start the season with like, I want this player or I don't want this player at the cost, right? You hop into a draft, you're like, I can't take Debo in the second round or I can't take CD in the second round. Mm-hmm. He thinks, um, and he kind of outlined it, that like you should outline all the players that are the profiles and archetypes that you want to have, generally speaking. Don't like, not necessarily don't look at ADP, but don't think about ADP. Like if I said to you, do you want to have CD Lamb on some of your teams this year? not ignoring cost, you would say yes. Everyone would say yes. Same thing with Kyle Pitts, AJ Brown, whatever. These guys are guys you want to have on your teams because they're young, breakout players, etc. But then people will go in and say, well, I can't take him at that cost. And it should be, I want to, I want to have some of him. How much should I have? When should I, when should I dip my toes in to the CD lamb, you know, thing? Like, should I have 3% or should I have 7% like Rob has or whatever? It should be that conversation as opposed to like, Oh, CD lamb in the second round. That's egregious. Yeah. And again, when I was looking at it, it was just a blinder spot, which I think we're going to have every year. It was not a, it was not a stand of not liking CD lamb. It was liking everyone around him. Yep. So it was grabbing this guy or this guy or this guy and just <laughs> never grabbing CD. This made yeah. me laugh. Uh, Mon- Mon- Monroe came in with the the killer. We're, we're going to have to like send Monroe a shirt or something like that for blowing my mind with the math. And he also yep. blew math. Mike's <laughs> blew Mike's mind. Uh, Al's comment made me laugh where he said he's either really good at math or has at least attended one formal event. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was laughing at earlier. <laughs> that is that is really good. Um, really quick before we kind of pivot a little bit, a couple of yep. people had some comments slash questions about the sure. tools. David David asked, any update on the in-season tracking tools that are coming? Um, no firm update. We're still working our way through that. Can you click to the lineups tab, though, 
sure. really quickly just on the screen. One thing that I will um, kind of recommend while we're talking about this is just this lineups page. Like you, there's nowhere else in the in the entire industry that you can go in by all your teams or by individual teams and go search for players and, and mm-hmm. apply filters sort by dates and uh filter yeah. for which pick you got right you can the value was fun yes like you can look at your best value teams your worst value yeah, here this is so this is decreasing right so this is your best value teams yes yeah, so you can see the total ADP difference that Rob has on some of these teams, right? So you can see that that's fun to see from a research perspective. But just like last night, we're all, you know, foaming at the mouth over the game. Mm-hmm. You, you probably, it, it, even if you don't even like like Gabe like I did or whatever, you probably have some digs, some Gabe, some Henderson, some Cup, whatever. And so this is the place right now where you can go in and look. Like there's a search bar that says, go search my Gabriel Davis teams. Yeah. Go, go look up your Gabriel Davis teams and see if you want to look up. Yeah, exactly. You want to look up this Rob has one, one cup and you can see, and then you can see like, Oh, it's a Herbert team, which is kind of funny. Cause you probably don't have a lot of, uh, I don't, a, a lot, <laughs> I don't, don't have a lot of Herbert, probably don't have a lot of Josh Jacobs. Who's also on this team. Nope. Henderson though. Henderson on the team is, uh, is nice, but this page is what in the very, very short term, is kind of, uh, in my opinion, the solution to um, like sweat, just just seeing those teams. Because honestly, um, some of the things that we're going to build are like we have full season projections, like week by week. We um, have built literally. So like every single week of the year, we'll, players will have like a points or points per game projection um, and it'll be updated every single week. So we'll be able to kind of tell you, we'll pull in where you stand right now in your total points where you stand in that league, maybe where you stand uh, overall. We're, we're figuring that out exactly what we can and cannot share. But um, that, and then we'll be able to project you moving forward based on literal, it, it's, it, it comes a lot from the rotor grinders projections. We have full season projections. So like Gabe Davis is an example. You can search your Gabe teams. You can see how well they're doing. We'll be able to show you how well they're doing on here. And you'll have a projection forward maybe and be able to see like, okay, this team is like, to advance or whatever, right? Probably no team is 90%, but we'll we'll be showing a lot of different things like that. It's just, it takes a little time to build, but um, we're working through that. And then Casey asked about the opponents, Deb. That's not something we can um, share right now for anybody that was a subscriber when we did have the opponents tab. Um, But hopefully into the the future, um, we'll be able to work with the sites. It's just kind of the whole space is not ready for for everything that uh, we've built that that underdog is building the drafters is building um we'll get there we'll get there it's just um not not quite yet but i am excited about the in-season stuff and we're going to get there i promise david all right so the next thing i wanted to bring up because one of the big discrepancies i saw when i was looking at other people's um exposures when they were posting them that i seem to be completely different on is the quarterback position where a lot of people's highest exposures to quarterbacks were late round guys like your Mm. fields and your Jerry Goffs. And I saw a lot of people were there and I decided that I wanted elite QBs on most of my teams. So if you look at my exposures on quarterback, I mean, Mahomes is going to be what it's going to be, but then it's Trevor Lawrence who was a little bit later, but I think I said on multiple shows he was a big cutoff for me. 
um, and sort of, and sort of tears. And then it's Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, even Russell Wilson. There, um, we were just talking about Justin Herbert, who I have at six percent, so he's a little underweight, but still close to that eight percent. And I kind of did it, and this is probably not always the way you should look at things. But when we were in the Best Ball Mania finals last year, what do you remember seeing that was kind of constant on most teams? I think your team was one of the only ones that wasn't like this. Was was elite quarterback? Was elite quarterback. It was a lot of Mahomes, a lot of Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I I could probably look up the... I need to yeah, actually bookmark this uh, because Hayden posted the uh, advanced the, 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 the finals ownership or whatever. Yeah. So just from that aspect, I'm like, I guarantee that no matter what your build is, what's going to be in the finals for the majority of the teams again this year is going to be elite quarterback teams. So for me, it was a it was something that I was very actively taking. And I was taking most of my quarterbacks like fifth round, as you can see. I mean, you can just look at the exposures, Mahomes, Kyler, Jalen. Jalen Hurts, I wasn't taking as much later in drafts because I got him a lot of the time in the sixth, seventh round to start. You can kind of see the ADP difference on him. But Lamar even. Just and real quick, I, I'm, I'm, pulling, yeah. I'm pulling this up just so you can see. Um, isn't this funny? People talk about uh, – we'll maybe get to tight end too. But mm-hmm. uh, people talk about um, elite tight end. And, and I think some of the nuance also gets lost on the fact that there's only five elite tight ends. And uh, what we would, I think we all have uh, assumed that Dalton Schultz and Hawkinson and Goddard and stuff are not considered elite tight ends. It's you right. know, Waller and Kittle on up. Um, but so when, when, when there's only five of them, the probability that any of them, that, that multiple of them are going to advance to to the final at a high clip is so low that mm-hmm. you end up getting this weird effect where you want the elite tight end to help you get there. But then if you get there without him or with a different elite tight end, you're actually better off because Andrews was the elite tight end that smashed. But then if you look and you're like, you know, George Kittle, which of course this file's not working. Let's just control F. Uh, God damn it. Uh, you know, the one team, <laughs> right. right like ba- basically one team in the finals has has george kittle i mean the same amount of te- there's there was the same amount of two two atwell teams <laughs> as george <laughs> as george kittle in the best ball mania finals but that's just kind of how those the weird playoff format works um and so i always find the uh the tight end thing but it's, it's fairly similar to quarterback not not the same obviously but to your point right here and quickly we see mahomes 20 percent, rogers 19 percent, allen 19 percent uh Stafford 17%. So Stafford was, you know, kind of one of the quote unquote value picks if you will. It's kind of funny Brady tanked so hard. Brady was what the QB3 on the year and he was drafted in the double digit rounds or whatever and he's only 4% because he tanked. He he was horrible. Yeah. Um you know, the Bucks collapsed in the playoffs, but to your point, you know, when you look and the very at the v- three of the top 14 owned players are elite quarterbacks. Um that kind of Sums it up right there for you. Burrow down yeah. the list. That Burrow down the list here hurts. Yeah, I mean, and so like for me, I just when I was looking through the teams before the final week last year, that was one of the things that stood out. Obviously, the the um, Mark Andrews thing stood out as well, where just about all of us had Mark Andrews. Again, 
somehow you guys slipped through without elite Dude. TV, elite Mark Andrews. Where uh, our team was in, I, I do just want to say, I'm, I, I, sh- I wrote an article. I never finished it. Um, I'm still probably going to post it during the year. That team is like a unicorn. Yeah, it's an anomaly. It, 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 you don't, I still can't really figure out how, how I still how don't like it. Got the- I still don't like, I still look at it. I'm like, this team is awful. How did it, how did it do what it did? It's like we drafted Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase and a bunch of, and James Connor and a bunch yeah. of fucking bums, literally yeah. a bunch of bums. And we navigated our way to the finals and literally nobody had any of the players. You know, it was like no one had anyone that we had. So yeah. that was why, you know, when, when, when Penny and Ch- we had just happened to have Penny and Chase and everything else was just like gravy. Yeah, it's it's so funny looking at that team. When every time I look at it, I hate it a little bit more, and I get even more envious. I'm like, yeah, I finished seventy fourth with a freaking Mahomes Tyreek stack, Damian Harris who goes for two touchdowns to start, and these guys have you know Josh Renenhauser, some guy that went in the eighteenth round and no one's ever heard of, freaking cash in eighth place for twenty k. And a zero RB team that our first running back was Raheem Mostert. Yeah. I played almost as many snaps in the NFL last year as Raheem Mostert did. Yeah. So, like, it's funny. But the funny thing is, like, you had to take Raheem Mostert where you took him to get your rest of the team the way that it was supposed to be in order to advance. It's just so weird. Um, so but pretty yeah. good. Monroe Monroe's on fire. I, I I hope we fast forward a few months and I have this <laughs> shitty team that wins me twenty thousand dollars. Agreed. Same. That's Same. that's what we all that's what we're all rooting for. That's that's the goal. That's the goal, right? So <laughs> that was one of the things I wanted to bring up was just the QB position. I'm mm-hmm. I'm against a lot of the the guys that posted their exposures and they were showing. Um, it was like Davis Mills at like, yeah. you know, their top guys. And they didn't have a lot of the elite QBs. And I made it a point to grab elite QBs on most of my builds. I'm not sure what you were doing at that position. I'm flipping over to mine really quick. Um, this damn quarterback search is always obnoxious. Um, so, <laughs> so here's another one we talked about uh, uh, for a while now that I went nuts on basically um, to close out drafts was, was Marcus Mariota. And Mm -hmm. so I have a little bit of barbell esque, but pretty similar to you, Trey Lance, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen hurts. Those were my favorite elite quarterbacks. You will, you know, see 9% Lamar, 12% Russ for me, 5% Josh Allen. Um, but generally speaking, I was I was in just like not not to the same level as you with Mahomes, but I was very much in on Mahomes. Kyler was a guy who I had to like stop taking because he just kept falling to the sixth round, and like the yep. sixth round was such a wasteland that yep. I just kept taking him and taking him and taking him. And so I did it. Like I really like Kyler. Um, I mean, if you can see, these are obviously my rankings from the, the Spike Week rankings. He, he's ranked 40th overall, and his ADP was 60. So you can see why I had to stop. I had to force myself to stop taking him. Whereas, you know, Lance eventually got to a level where I think he was, he was pretty efficiently priced by the end of the year. But um, the, uh, the Mariota thing is just, um, yeah. Like M- Monroe says, he was the one guy at the end where everyone else is doing what you said, taking the locked in starter who they just feel comfortable is going to like accumulate 12 points a game or whatever. Yeah. And like, I, I don't really. I mean, I, I guess that is a, a helpful advance rate tactic 
I'm not an advance rate wizard, but it, I, I also don't see why, even if Marcus Mariota loses his job, I couldn't benefit from him playing eight to 10 games from an advance rate perspective. And then when we get to the finals, I know this is a little bit of a lazy way to view it, but like if I need Davis Mills on a Patrick Mahomes team in week 16 to advance, you know, to finish first out of whatever a 16 person group that uh, it, that team was probably just done anyway. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to take this swing on the 17th, 18th round guy who like actually has upside who runs, you know, who has Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Cordell Patterson and whatever. And, um, kind of really late, kind of like the AJ Brown thing really late came around to like, why, why am I going to take Jared Goff? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to win $2 million because of Jared Goff. I'm probably not going to win $2 million because of Marcus Mariota either. But while he's out there, if you ever do DFS projections or you just play DFS and you've ever looked at a projection, go look this week. Go look at the Jared Goff and Davis Mills projection and go look at the Marcus Mariota projection. Marcus Mariota projects for several more points every yep. single week, even though he's on a shittier team. And I, I don't think he's like great by any stretch of the imagination, but just the profile that he brings to the table. It's like, I'm willing, if he gets benched, so what? Like, yeah. it, you know, it's fine. I'll lose those, what, uh, 30 teams and and I, I move on. But um, if he doesn't get benched, I have the 17th round quarterback that's better than the all everybody, the guys, you know, I, I agree with your Lawrence kind of cutoff. It's like mm-hmm. people were taking, like, why is Mariota worse than Daniel Jones? Right. Other than he could get benched, but Daniel Jones could get benched. Absolutely. Daniel Jones is ter- he's, he's terrible. So um, I thought after that Lawrence drop off, um, you got me on board to that was like, I'm willing to take that risk, basically. Yeah. So I agree with your elite quarterback thing, and I wanted to explain kind of why, why it was all the elite quarterbacks and then Mark, <laughs> Marcus Mariota. I came around on Mariota as well. I got 6% on him. And the other guy that I wish I had pounded a little more because I was in on him and he was going 18th round was Baker Mayfield. I have a weird, weird feeling about the Panthers this year. I'm not going to say that they're going to be a top 10 offense, but top 16 seems like within – a healthy range of outcomes for them and Baker. I didn't, I didn't take him. So I'm, I'm interested. So I, I'm at 7% on him, and, and that's just kind of, I think, I think he could be fine as like a second late round. I was getting him 18th, 17th round. So like when I'm putting him with one of my elite QBs, um, that was one of the things I wish I did a little bit more. Uh, and the other one that people are bringing up in the chat is Malik Willis. I was grabbing 18th round as a third QB. Sometimes uh, I got 3% of them. So I didn't like go crazy on them, but yeah. I was mixing him in, in the 18th round a little bit here and there, but my, he's, he's, do you, do you think um, Dilly Dilly? Is that how you say this? Dilly Dilly. That's how I would say it um, yeah. from the Budweiser commercials. Yeah. Thinks Willis has like a 2% chance of taking over the job this year. And and I definitely think it's higher than two percent. Yeah. Um, but I do struggle with people are like this. If Willis gets the job, he could be a huge game changer down the stretch. And I agree with that. But it's a delicate balancing act, right? That I only get eighteen picks, and I actually do need the utility of all of those eighteen picks. He's he was the one who I I totally understand anybody that was like, we should be smashing him in the eighteenth round. I I see it. 
but I also see the side of like of what he's saying that like the Titans need to be legit bad or Tannehill obviously needs to get hurt. And how are the Titans so bad that they're out of the playoff hunt in that division? Well, that's a good point because I do think they're going to be bad, but that division could be abysmal. Right. So like, even if they're bad and they're two games below 500, they're in the race probably, you know, and that it's hard. It's just, that's the hard part. That's, that, that's a possible outcome. The Colts could, I mean, we're getting into hypotheticals, but the Colts could run away with that division. Jaguars, oh. I think are going to be the number two team in that division this year. I think they are going to surpass Tennessee personally. So like maybe I'm going off of that blinder. And I think Malik Willis is definitely a higher than 2% chance of starting. I just think mm-hmm. Tennessee is going to be bad, bad, like bad. So I wasn't taking a lot of Titans overall, but I would smash, you know, Burks is probably my most drafted Titan Titan, but sometimes I would just grab Malik Willis in the 17th or 18th round and grab, I don't know, Westbrook Akine or Kyle Phillips or something just to have a little backdoor Tennessee stack. If things absolutely fall apart there, then they might just want to get some run on those guys. So like, but again, it was 3%. I'm fine with doing something like that at a 3% clip. And um, what I would find a more interesting conversation is if we have situations like Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo again next year, we saw the extreme of both of those play out where Baker does get traded to another team and becomes a starter. And Jimmy Garoppolo ends up somehow staying with San Francisco. And what we were doing with these guys before that happened, right? So would when we look at it and we look at it from the Baker perspective, it's like, yeah, we should have been smashing him because obviously he was going to get traded and become a starter somewhere. But you would have said the same exact thing for Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. And that didn't happen. So it's like, we got to really like pay attention to this stuff to see how we want to play it for the following year as well. Got one Baker to Robbie stack. It also has Mariota. What a terrible team this is. Tua, <laughs> Tua, ba- Tua Baker, Mariota. I, d- I will say, um, from like a late round quarterback perspective, I w- this is a robust team. You can tell I just went off the rails. I'm like, God damn it. I have it's like a nursery just, rhyme, right? Swift. The Tua, the Baker, the Mariota yeah. maker, or something like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We need the season to start uh, the real <laughs> the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday to get here. But uh, we got Swift, Javante, and ETN, just uh, uh, a weird zero RB bro yet robust um start and we're like let's just get wild wild with this one and uh tacked on some baker and and mariota but um your point is your point is spot on um i just want to hit i think we need to be careful with um there's it's it's almost become a meme at this point where people will say uh pat thorman said it first and it was just fuck i love this this saying people have ruined it but it's like skate to where the puck is going Mm -hmm. don't look at where the puck was and um that's how i feel about the titans is like yes they were really good last year but like last year is not this year you don't those wins last year don't get the shit doesn't carry over you know what i mean it's 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 like some people use this against cooper cup and that that looked you look like a fucking moron when they they uh (laughs) when they tried to use that argument against cooper cup last last night yeah but that's that is part of the point is derrick henry did this last year the titans did this last year this is a new season. They're a new team. They don't have AJ Brown. They don't have Julio Jones. They replaced him with a rookie and Robert Woods. They are worse on the offensive line. Duh, they're worse on defense. Uh, Harold Landry, I think it was, tore his yep. ACL. They're, so, like, th- there's a lot of 
more issues on the Titans than there were last year. I mean, I, I, I never, we wouldn't have this conversation last year. If they drafted Malik Willis last year, we wouldn't have drafted him because we right. didn't have this. This sentiment didn't exist for them last year, but it does this year. And so it's just a little bit different year to year. Yeah. The skate to where the puck is going is such a great line. Honestly, like I love that outlook. I hadn't heard that one, but it is it is kind of the way that you should be playing these things. You should be trying to get there um, instead of going in reverse. So do we want to start looking at some of our DK teams? Is there anything else particularly we wanted to look at? Any combinations you wanted to see? Or do we want to check out our big dog teams real quick? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to pull up Abe because he's my highest owned. Okay. You had we'll just do a, a really quick exercise of because uh, you went through your your MBS. So I have sixty total Gabe teams in BBM. Kind of Jealous. funny that uh, kind of funny that uh, MVS is the highest exposure player. And but you can see, so he, here's kind of fun. Thirty thirty seven percent of the Gabe teams are zero running backs. Sixty percent are elite quarterback. And here's another fun one. We talked about lessons for this year is. Um, I don't think I drafted a single two seven seven two team last year. Probably yeah. not, not, not a single one. Maybe on accident or something. But I drafted a lot of them this year, and tw- it's my highest exposure roster build with Gabe. Where when I'm drafting zero running back teams or even anchor teams at times, you get to the late, the late rounds, and like you, you talked about Dearness. Show me an 18th round pick that has more upside than Dearness. Right. Or whatever, you know, pick your flavor of late round running back. And so I was just, I was stubborn last year on like, oh, I drafted Javante. This has to be two, five, nine, two. And it's like, why, why is, why does that ninth receiver have to, why does he, why do I have to draft Colin Johnson just because I took Javante Williams? It's like, why Dearness can be in the flex and can be more valuable for me than um, a player there. And so, that that was that was definitely a uh, a lesson learned for me. But Gabe, I wanted I wanted to look at a um, just to piggyback Gabe. off your point while you look this up. I think that the wide receiver position in the 18th round, as drafts went along, dried up and people got better ADP value. So you could do 18th round because I think like Romeo Dubs was in the 18th round early. A yeah. couple other guys, but by the time ADP settled mid July. 18th round wide receiver was a wasteland. So to your point, the RB always felt like the better pick in the 18th round over the wide receiver. Yeah. Um, one of my guys who's actually one of my highest own players is Zay Jones, who I don't like love Zay Jones or anything like that, but he was in the 18th round mm-hmm. and a starting wide receiver on the Jags. You talked to you, you you're on Trevor Lawrence and on the Jags. And he was kind of my, you, you took a stand on Kirk. I did kind of the Zay Jones thing where it was like, I don't know the the Jags could be kind of good. Zay has weekly upside in the 18th round. He's going to play every snap. He's like, yeah. he's like a really, really, really shitty version of Gabe Davis. <laughs> you right. know, like, right. like he, he's, he's going to play every snap. He's a down the field player. He's going to score some long touchdowns. And, and, and eventually if he, he gets got... you three weeks, you're happy. A hundred percent. Right. 100%. And that's what we got to remember. If he gets you three weeks, like I think Amon Ross St. Brown in the 18th or 17th round last year, got you what three or four weeks. They just yeah. happened to be the best three or four best, weeks he yeah. could get you. <laughs> it but, was the last month. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think ADP was as sharp as it was this year, too, on that stuff. 
because he was talked about last year and he would never you like to up. talk would you like to talk about brian i took some brian edwards with my marcus Mariota teams uh i know uh that's a small meme with you um i took some there oh my go. god i have three percent brian edwards yes now we're talking um Which i did just want to pull up uh just from the 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 game last night i was just gonna mm-hmm. super quickly look because i mean th- this is what people should do i think with it like this is the fun we've reached the season that you can't like go back and adjust your exposures but you can go look at like digs just went nuts gabe had a good game cup i can actually see if i have that see so i don't have any in best ball mania three any digs right so there was no chance of digs falling to the second with cup and 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 gabe davis but uh Henderson, who looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's that's not you know thirty three percent. It's only three total teams, but thirty three percent of the Gabe Diggs teams have Daryl Henderson, who you feel much better about. Now yeah, we were um, both big on Henderson throughout the year as well. Two of my nine teams have Josh Allen um, with those two guys, and so I think this that's like part of the fun is like let's look at yeah right when when Diggs goes off, um, and I do have quite a bit of Diggs. 14 14%. I'm pretty happy with 14% digs. I did start um evening out him and Devonte because mm-hmm. I was taking digs every time at uh, I, I I would take him at 6. And um wh- what did you do after those top 5? Because I was taking digs every time and then I started to diversify with him and Devonte and Kelsey and then Kelsey fell and I, I it was kind of a shit show after the top five. It was Diggs. So I have Diggs at 17%. I got Gabe Davis nice. at 15%, which is the other Kyle Pitts guy for me, where I was on Gabe Davis. I was one guy I wasn't making fun of, but I really wish I grabbed him <laughs> more earlier because he did go to the fourth round and I still was grabbing him there. Uh, but yeah, that late round, it, and, and it kind of hurts your soul when you start getting so many of them in a row. So like I grabbed, I was doing digs Kelsey, and then it was like, then it was to me, it was like time to get weird. So do I want to try to get a swift Javante Williams team or a CD Javante Williams team? And this is where I push back a bit on the, you got to draft around ADP thing. So it's, it's the end of the first round is where I thought you could skate a little past the ADP thing and try to get some unique combinations. The other spot was the fourth and fifth round. I didn't love a lot of the fourth round guys this year. So if I wanted to get some of the guys from the fifth round, like comboed, whether it be Patrick Mahomes and one of the wide receivers, um, especially when like Juju was a fifth round wide receiver, I'm okay with taking one of them in the fourth round to get that combination. Right. Or, say you know any other thing and last year it was the fourth round where i said at the end of the year i was like shit i really wish i comboed godwin and cooper cup a little bit more which is the easy one to point out but even godwin and robert woods at the time so like not to just like be a complete you know 2020 vision yep like i liked evans was in there dj moore was in there so if i wanted to get DJ Moore, Mike Evans, that you would have had a reach in the third round. And I didn't love the wide receivers in the third round last year. It was like McLaurin, who was okay. It was, I'm A-Rob. trying to think of some, A-Rob, who was in the third round, who was okay. But I think you can 
build unique without going crazy and grabbing guys in to like that are settled into that fifth round or fourth round. And you got to find the pockets. I think the eighth round was another one this year for me. It was Devonta Smith, Christian Kirk, um, some guys like right around there. It's like, okay, well, if I want to grab Devonta Smith in the seventh round, because I got Jalen hurts, then I'm going to do it. And then I can still get Christian Kirk in the seventh round. So like, I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but I don't think <laughs> that the whole, I just wanted to reiterate, like, you don't need to just because it, the draft board is telling you you're supposed to take these guys. I think it's okay to scroll a little bit. Now, don't go nuts. And I had a draft get thrown out because somebody took Joe Flacco in the third round the other day. Uh, <laughs> was, it Jack Zittleman? was it Jack Settleman? <laughs> it, it wasn't, but it, it might have maybe a burner account. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like you, you can get unique off of comboing some guys from the same round and it's fine and some of these guys settled into yep. these rounds so don't be scared to do that type actually of think stuff. again we're, we're talking through exposures but it's also an, ending up being kind of a lot of lessons learned which they're very they're they're part and parcel but that is every, the human brain is like tied to adp right yes. you, you pull up the app that the next guys are at the top and then like every single pick there's probably someone that's like past adp and you're like and then like you have your positional needs you have all this stuff right you have rankings and it's all seeping into your brain and it feels even to me who have done i've done I, i'm not you know there's people in the chat that are have done more drafts than me but relative to the average fantasy football player i've done way 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 more drafts definitely more best ball drafts it still feels awkward when i, I i'm gonna make something up Mike Williams is on the board in the third round and I want it. And, but, but that tier is close enough. Mike right. Williams, Keenan, DJ, DJ Moore, Gabe, Jalen Waddle. They're all the same going to the fifth wide receiver available. When I, when, when all those other guys are there, it, you feel weird. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel right scrolling down and clicking that guy and then the next guy comes around you're like okay now i'm gonna get this comp right i went down and i went and i got gabe there we're, we're just happen to have gabe davis teams pulled up right now i went down and i got gabe there and now it comes back to me in mclaurin it's mclaurin and they their adps are right next to each other and i'm so no one ever gets them together or whatever i'm making up an example i don't even know if that one's true but you get the point is that that human nature affects like majorly affects right. how teams turn out, you know, and, and when there's 500,000 teams and all you have to do is this tiny little thing where like, dude, what is the fucking difference between Keenan Allen and Jalen Waddle or Keenan Allen and whoever Mike Williams and Gabe, Dave, Mike Williams and Gabe Davis are like the same fucking player. They're the yeah. Spider-Man GIF on, di on different yeah. teams. Yeah. Like, you know, the point I made two months ago <laughs> when we were arguing about this, I'm like, like, I can't remember who we were arguing with about it, but I'm like, I'm like, literally, Gabe Davis is cheap Mike Williams. That's who he yeah. is. He's cheap Mike yeah. Williams because he's in the fourth round. So He's a shittier version of T. Higgins, and he's cheap version Mike Williams. Right. He has the upside to get the 10 targets. He's done it before. Mm -hmm. He has the upside to have the game-breaking, the, the weak-breaking game. Mike Williams has done it. Gabe Davis has done it. They're both in elite passing offenses with elite quarterbacks, same as T. Higgins, but they're not the best wide receiver on their team. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, like, but for the teams they play for, we want them because yeah, of the ball. Exactly. Right. It's yeah. so easy. It's so easy. 
And the the Gabe thing is so funny. I don't want to go into a, a rant right. about this, but right. the there's been the thing going around about like the he only had a 16% target share, which a honing in on one single game's specific target share is fucking idiotic. Um there's games where Jamar Chase had a 16% target share. There, Jamar Chase had games where he had four targets last year. Yeah. Jamar Chase actually didn't have a very didn't have it was like a twenty one percent target share last year. Don't don't quote me exactly, but it, you would think the fact that we're taking this dude fifth overall, some people are taking him higher. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> you, you would think that his target share was a lot higher. It wasn't. He didn't have some crazy target share. So that whole conversation is moronic, and efficiency wins fantasy football, especially in half point PPR. Score touchdowns. Be on good offenses, create big plays. That's how you win. Why did why why did when we pulled up that list from the Best Ball Mania two advancers? Why was Deontay Johnson not on there? Despite the fact that he was what second in the NFL in targets, mm. because volume doesn't matter in half point PPR if you're not efficient. Right. He, Deontay was the fucking example of that. He wasn't very good. He got a million targets. But it didn't matter. Tyler Higby yesterday got a million targets. He had 11 targets. He had double the targets of Gabe. And Gabe dunked on him. I know it's a tight end versus a wide receiver. But Isaiah McKenzie dunked on, dunked on Tyler Higby. But you know why? Because efficiency wins. You can get more volume. It's very hard in a suboptimal situation to become more efficient. It really doesn't happen very often. Amon Ra might be the, and Amon Ra might be the only example where that happened last year. And even then his situation wasn't that bad. The lions were scoring points all year. They, they weren't, they weren't the Jags, right? Look at the Jags, the the Jags dudes got volume on the Jags. It's just, it didn't matter. Right. It, it, it didn't matter for McLaurin. It didn't matter for Deontay. It doesn't matter if you get a lot of volume, if you have no paths to efficiency and Gabe is like, if you do, I'm again, I'm not a projection wizard. Create a projection. Show me one that doesn't have him as like crazy efficient. He's good. Mike Williams, crazy efficient. You know why? Because of the offenses that they play for and the way they, you know, their archetype of a player. I just want to bring up that I have 19% Jamar Chase and she tried to oh throw me God. under the bus there. Hold on. I got to go see how much Jamar Chase I have. In BBM, you have uh, In BBM, I have 19% Fuck, Jamar there's Chase. No, I'm, there's no way I'm even close to that. What did you... So, what do you have Jefferson? Jefferson, I think I ended up because okay. of because of Look the cup this. flip. 11? I have 11 Chase and 9 Jefferson in BBM. I would not have expected that because I always took Jefferson ahead of Chase. But mm -hmm. then, like you said, he flipped Cup. So I end up getting 13% Cup. And then Chase kind of falls and I get a little overweight Chase. So it kind of worked out for me in a weird way for, for Chase that I didn't expect. Right. I got 6% Jefferson, which is kind of like right where I thought I was going to get him. Uh, my last 20 drafts on BBMs were like late rounds, like I was saying, though. So I kind of everything got kind of pushed down for I me. put you up. On the screen. Okay. Um, and then on cup, I have five percent. Only Take five. One. So you were taking were you taking to get to nineteen percent chase? Were you taking him one oh three for a while? I was taking him one oh four for a long time, which was over Jefferson. Yeah. But because the cup flip happened, and I guess just the way the drafts rattled off, I ended up getting more Jefferson than Cup which I'm okay with. Like, it's fine to me. I know Cup went off last night, but 
of the three, I just wanted to get my whole theory was just who can I get the highest exposure to and get the most different teams of, and it was Chase. So I'm, yeah. for for the for the reason I did it, um, I would have liked to to try to have gotten the other guys close to the eight percent, but I mean, what's five percent to eight percent? What's six percent to eight percent? In the grand scheme of things, and the other guy I was taking when I could was McCaffrey, right? So I'm overweight on McCaffrey a little nice. bit at ten percent. What'd you do with JT? I got to be close to dust on him, which yeah, three percent on Jonathan Taylor. So like, if I had the one, I was taking McCaffrey. If I had the two, I was taking McCaffrey. So I pretty I was... much just I pull mine up. I, I just pretty much just peanut butter spread it mm-hmm. with those five guys. Eleven percent JT, which is was just a, a benefactor of getting the one hundred one more than the one hundred two. Right, you know that it wasn't like I, I took JT when he went when I got the one hundred one just because he went one hundred one more often. I know that became a little bit different at the very end, but I was taking JT, and then when I got the one hundred two, I took Christian McCaffrey. When I got the one hundred three, I took Cup, and then if Cup fell, I took him. Um, and then you obviously see that. Uh, I passed on all the shitty running backs. The 1% Eckler. How much Eckler? How much Eckler did you uh <sighs> did you yeah. take? You might have more than me. <laughs> you might have I more. I have Eckler. 1% and yeah, I have more than you. I have 1%. That's great. Oh 1%. my god. One team. One. <laughs> yep, one Eckler team. That's uh that was a stand. It was a stand on I was I was grabbing digs. I was grabbing other guys. I I'm not I don't know. So here's the team that might kill me this year is the chargers because I wasn't big on Herbert. I wasn't, and it's all based on where they were going in drafts. I mean, I liked Mike Williams, but I don't really love Keenan Allen. So my two highest owns are probably Mike Williams and Gerald. Take off, take off Eckler. And in the uh, players section where it says search for under just in the player search bar, you can Mm -hmm. type chargers. I I believe you can type either chargers or LA LAC, maybe LAC. Yeah. There you go. So, so yeah. Isaiah Spiller was a guy I was taking big early in drafts and kind of. Yes, I know. Yeah. So then it was like Gerald Everett and Mike Williams, like I said, and then like Palmer, Herbert. So they can they can absolutely kill me. I like that Tylen Wallace just based on the way his name is spelled. It's mixed <laughs> in with all the Chargers. But, <laughs> you know, I took Parham yes. once. I probably should have taken Parham a few more times as an 18th it, round. I would have if he were if he didn't get hurt. Yeah. I was spooked on Everett because I was really big on Everett because um, he was a hundred percent the same as you. I, I I don't think I took Keenan. If I did, it's probably like your Eckler one one or two teams that maybe auto drafted Keenan. Yeah. So Everett was like always my backdoor option into this offense, and and I don't really think that's how you should always think about it when there's someone like Mike Williams or or whatever on the team, but that was just kind of how I was processing the chargers. Like you said, like we said a long time ago, I can't cover every base. I don't like the cost on Keenan. Honestly, the cost on Mike Williams was a little prohibitive. I didn't want Eckler at the one Oh six or one Oh five where he got right. to. Right. So it just, it became Gerald Everett. And then the early camp reports where the Donald Parham is like dunking on Gerald Everett. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I got Isaiah Spiller bags and Gerald Everett bags. Yeah. Like can, can one of these guys <laughs> actually get on the football field? And so Parham got hurt, but I think, you know, th- it, that's a small concern for when Parham comes back is like, we're excited for Everett right now, but like in week in the playoffs, is Everett going to be in every snap tight end? I, I don't know yeah. if he is. 
Yeah, so I could get dunked on by the Chargers heavily this year. But I didn't like – I we were not getting to everything I want to get to, but I didn't like Herbert where he was going. Like, I just physically can't grab Herbert over Lamar, Mahomes, um, specifically those two guys. But I even kind of like Hurts and Kyler a little bit better than him yep. based on upside. And it's like to get – Herbert, you had to get him before those guys, and it's like, eh, eh, why, why would I take Herbert when I can take Mahomes and stack them what? later? Seriously, why does Herbert go before Patrick Mahomes? I, I don't. Or why did he get it? I don't get it. I think, I think it becomes that like, you know, you're you just become a slave to the ADP, and because he was going there, people just kept grabbing him there. Or because they, especially with guys when their stacking partners go beforehand, you don't want to miss on that stack. So, like, they either had Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, and they're like, oh, shit, because his ADP is here, I have to grab um, Justin Herbert. So it just kept staying there, right? Whereas, like, Mahomes, it's like, all right, well, I don't have Kelsey, but I can get, you know, Juju before he started going before him, and then MVS or Sky Moore. Like you could get any of his stacking partners late. So you could push him down a little bit. Lamar, you're okay with like, well, even if I don't have a stacking partner with Lamar, I don't really care because it's no. Lamar Jackson. He's going to run for a thousand yards. Yeah. yeah. He gives a shit. It hurts. If you didn't have AJ Brown, you could still get Goddard or you could get, you know, like all these guys, you could get somebody late. Kyler, Rondell Moore. If you wanted to build heavy wide receiver, you had DeAndre Hopkins, but you couldn't do that with Herbert. It had to be Everett right or joshua palmer but if you wanted one of his studs they were already gone so now you're like scared to knock at that stack is what i think happened there i was going to mention your kyler thing is a great example of i think i don't want to say i fell into that trap because i wanted to take a lot of a lot of kyler hopefully this will there we go uh was i would backdoor i felt comfortable a kyler runs so Mm -hmm. if you get absolutely locked out it's not the it's not the absolute end of the world, but then I take a lot of late round tight ends, and it was like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, seven of my one fifty are Kyler Trey McBride stacks, and it was like exactly what you said. I probably took yeah, uh, actually, I only have one elite tight end. I would do the opposite of elite tight end. I would do late round tight end. So there's probably some tight ends in here. Alberto, Gerald Everett, who we just talked about, Brevin Jordan, right? So I was just. Mitch, Mitch, mismatching all the the late round tight ends with Trey McBride, and I happened to have Kyler, so I knew that McBride was just ready to be on my radar. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I was just gonna hit GA's comment. Obviously, love, obviously love Liam. Respect Liam's take. I think this is the wrong way to think about Week Seventeen. Like, you don't take a guy in the first round because you think right now. In September, his week 17 matchup is good. There's like, that's like low. It's, we talked about this on multiple shows and we did a, a kind of like a best ball 101 show where we went through kind of like almost like the decision tree or the totem pole, if you will, of how you get to the the decision point on an individual player. And I don't think at the 106 or the 105 that you should say, I'm drafting this player because I think a pass catching running back against the Rams is a good matchup because a, that's a lot of overconfidence in that being true solely because you're looking at last year. Mm -hmm. 
And the pass catching running backs we just saw last night, they caught a bunch of passes and they didn't get any yards. It was Diggs against Jalen Ram. Diggs cooked Jalen Ramsey. Gabe Davis cooked the the Rams secondary, right? Isaiah McKenzie cooked the secondary. Josh Allen smashed. And so I think this is not how I would look at at week 17 and how I'd make decisions, at least not in the first round. Maybe no. if you get to a point in the, the 12th, Isaiah Spiller or Sony Michelle now, and you're like, okay, this is a, maybe a good matchup as the, the tiebreaker for me at that point. I think that makes sense. But um, for me personally, that's not how I would decide on my first round on my, on my first round picks. Yeah. You should be looking at Eckler. Like, well, now we think he's going to get the majority of the workload again. So he has the potential of skyrocketing like he did last year. That's how you should be drafting Austin Eckler if you're drafting Austin Eckler. Um, and to your point, yeah, it's just you're looking for the stacking partners later. If you're in the fourth round and we're going back hindsight, we got to throw out last night's game. But if you were like sitting there looking at Allen Robinson or other wide receiver and you were like, oh, I like these guys both the same, you could be like, well, I do have that 17 week 17 correlation with Allen Robinson. And see, uh, GA like kind of counters with couldn't Eckler be the RB one? No, <laughs> I, am I crazy to say no? I, I don't. I don't think that he could. He scored twenty touchdowns last year. They were uh, they had one of the worst defenses in the NFL, so they threw a ton. He didn't have a backup. Now they 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 drafted Isaiah Spiller, who clearly I guess just sucks and it's dust. But then they also brought in Sony Michelle, who they're ranting about. Austin Eckler himself who does fantasy football podcasts has come out and said, I don't want to get as many touches as I got last year. I right. want less work. I'm going to be, you know, even, and that was only, he only got 60 to 65% of the work last year. Yeah. That was with Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly and guys who are not there anymore or who suck. So I, I and what touches kinda, do you think is going to get taken away from him? If that's the case, not third downs, to be fair. So that's right. the pass catching thing is there, but right. Sony at the goal line. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the other thing is that their offensive line got better. Their defense got way better. Like, like they went from a bottom 10 defense to a top 10 defense over the offseason. So if they're not forced into all these, sh- and they, you know, they're going to play the Chiefs and such. So they're going to have to score points. I'm not saying that. Austin Eckler is a first round pick. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be a first round pick, but I'm saying in terms of his range of outcomes, it is very drastically different in terms. Like think of the the skate to where the puck is going thing. You can't just look at last year for he's one of the best examples to not just look at last year because it was a very micro um, thing that happened with Eckler to produce his season. And he's not in that situation anymore. But, and to go to your point to look at last year, one of the defenses that was heavily better than we thought it was going to be was the Dallas Cowboys, which really <laughs> hindered their their offensive performances, right? Because they didn't have to throw the ball a ton. And uh, we were all hyped about the Dallas offense, and it just didn't have to do things. So, um, yeah, so, like, if their defense is better, the only contingent of that or caveat is they are in the AFC West, and we think a lot of those yeah. games are going to shoot out. So. But he's a first-round pick. Nobody is saying he's not a first-round pick. No, but in terms of the legendary upright, uh, we, we mentioned Pat Crane and stuff doing his legendary upside running back article. There's a lot of dings on Austin Eckler in terms of that. Do I expect him to be bad? Of course not. He's awesome. He's on an awesome offense. He's going to have right. a very good season. But we're talking about the 105 or 106. We're not talking about 
you know, a pick where these flaws aren't concerns. Right. And he's a guy that maybe we should have been drafting at the beginning of the year, but there was other concerns. And then once those concerns went away, he got shot up the board to 105 and you were like, eh. Then they signed Sony. Then they signed Sony. Yeah. Well, we won't even get into Sony Michelle. Do we want to look at our big dog teams or do we want to look at some DK teams? I'll do. um, Let me do. I did two of the $555 DK teams. And it's funny that people mentioned Malik Willis. Malik Willis. um, Here, I was drafting so many teams, I auto drafted uh, my last pick in one of the DK $555 tournaments. And it was Malik Willis on like, I already had like, I don't know, Jalen Hurts or something like that on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll pull that up. Here we go. The Playmaker. We'll let this here's the here's my two playmaker teams when when these load. We can look at those and then uh maybe look at your big dog teams or whatever you want to Yeah, yeah. We'll pull up the look big at. But I drafted them both kind of at the end. I, I will say as these as these load, it was um my plan of attack for drafting went fairly according to plan. Um and so that is a lesson that I feel is like kind of a check, you know, a, a feather in my cap or whatever, where I was like, I'm going to max this. Hopefully these show up. I'm going to max this DK $5 and be like, there's going to be other DraftKings contests. Mm-hmm. And I can enter those at the end, particularly the higher stakes ones where I, you know, know that they might overlay and the, the level of competition is, do you have to early in the board? off season? Sorry. Early in the yeah, maybe you're not supposed to have to, but uh, we can do that. It's fine. Nope. Let's try it. Not the lobby. Okay, this isn't gonna work. Um, while you figure that out, if you want, I do have my big dogs teams. We'll go up. to yours. I'll see so, if I can get mine up while you're while you're doing so, that. So, so I drafted two big dog teams. One of them was streamed with with Overzet. And that team was like the Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, Leonard Fournette, Brees Hall. We had a gigantic blow-up fight about Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Josh Jacobs, <laughs> Ken Walker, C.D. CD Lamb, A.J. Brown, Judy, MVS, of course, Burks, Hardman, Pierce, Will Fuller that he wanted, Gerald Everett and Gusecki. So that's one of the teams. That's the team I drafted with Pete. We were on the clock, and Miles Sanders was like a round and a half past ADP and he wanted Miles Sanders and I just I am so out on Miles Sanders this year just based on that offense as a whole what I like with that team and we ended up placing a hundred dollar bet on who would oh yeah you did fantasy points Gainwell right did you yeah. just do one yeah under underdog scoring I took Gainwell straight up for a hundred bucks because underdog just, scoring yep I even took it on underdog scoring I was like I just think Gainwell's going to outscore him for the entire year. So that's what I have. And then I had to draft again from the 11 spot. I ran. If I'm going to like, you know, cry about something <laughs> between the last two years, anytime I drafted a big dog team, I had like the seventh slot or worse out of like seven teams. So I did not run well, but we went Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Javante Williams. We have Cam Akers, RIP. Kenneth Walker, Alexander Madison, Eno Benjamin, Zach Moss, Dearnest, Hollywood, Elijah, MBS, 
Lazard, rest in peace. So we're pretty much dead on this team. <laughs> Chase Claypool, KJ Osborne, Zay Jones, Travis Kelsey, Robert Tanyan. I don't hate the team, but it's it's really tough to navigate when you're trying to on on the bigger buy-ins. You really, I really wanted a top five on one of them, to be perfectly honest. But you know, you get what you get. It is. It is difficult. Um, I will say I can't get my uh I'm gonna flip over. I can't get my uh 555s to pull up but i got mm. the 333 single entry and i was just gonna say in my i only took i only drafted two of the 555s and i got cup in both of them nice. and i thought i actually thought so i got i took cup 103 in the first one and then in the second one i had the either the 104 or the 105 mm-hmm. and cup was there and i thought long and hard about like do i, do I want to have both of these teams with cooper cup you know, or do I, you know, diversify with Jamar Chase or whatever? And I obviously I took Cup um, on both of them because I Mama didn't raise no bitch. But uh, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, but I, I thought about it to your point about the high stakes stuff was like, do I want to have all my eggs in one basket on on one player? But so this three hundred and thirty three dollar team is an you put example. Put all your eggs in one cup. Yes, exactly. Uh, two egg, two eggs, one cup, yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> but this this is when the team goes bad for you and and like why i was thinking about like do i diversify do i do this you know because it is if you're i was spending about um just full transparency i was spending about 10 grand this year was my plan on best ball teams and you know 1100 or between these three teams is 1500 that's 15 percent of it is like i'm thinking i'm being a little more thoughtful about those teams and so this 333 i get um what pick i get the 12th 12th. i get i get get the 12th pick but i remember this actually i posted in chat afterwards because i was like god damn because people were like waiting on the 333 in discord like ah you know is it going to overlay should we hop in or whatever i hop in i get the 12th pick instantly pissed because the 12th pick is terrible but Diggs and Devante are both there at the at the you know one two turn so i get Diggs and Devante both then it comes back around and um i that none of the I, i'm not taking any of the tight ends i just keep smashing wide receiver sutton gabe uh bateman mvs sky right i mixed in dylan and pollard i kind of took those like six seventh round detours or whatever on the running backs i usually wouldn't and i should have taken a quarterback and i got myself locked out I got myself locked out of quarterback and locked out of tight end. So I end up with a zero run. And I mean, I like Dylan Pollard, Ramondre, Carter, Zamir, McKinnon. Those are like some of my favorite zero running back guys. But I got myself locked out of quarterback <laughs> and tight end. As you can see here, I have to take a three, six, eight, three, three, six, eight, three team with Lawrence, who I'd stacked with Zay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lawrence, Lawrence stacked with Zay. I believe naked Davis Mills. No naked other way that I want Davis Mills than naked. naked. That's a, yeah, I, I love a good naked giraffe. Uh, <laughs> and, Car, Car, and and naked Carson Wentz. Oh. We paired up. We paired up naked Carson Wentz and naked Davis Mills on this team. And then Gerald Everett, Janu, and and I, I also remember this. I was like, okay, it's fine. I'm just gonna do a ridiculous. I like a lot of the late round tight ends, so I feel comfortable in that range where I think other people don't. McBride was gone. Bellinger was gone. Like mm. all these guys were gone. I'm like, well, 
Kylan Granson it is because I I mean I had to have a tight end on this team and so um curiosity question yes when the 333 were the because the QBs went a little higher on DK were they following in that I mean I know you only did one which you know was one more than I did were the QBs falling a little more so they weren't that was the problem Mm, was and I was at the turn right and so you can the turn can be great because you can scoop falling value and just get your guys or you can get locked out, especially mm-hmm. on that. And that's what happened to me. I got locked out of elite tight ends. I got locked out of elite quarterbacks really fast. And so I just jumped in on Lawrence because I'm like, like you mentioned um, with some of the other guys that have late round stacking options. I know Zay's there. I know Ingram's there. I know Marvin's there. I don't really like Marvin or Ingram, but they're there. They're there for me. And so I just like, I'm like, I can't, I can't keep getting locked out. And so anyway, I hate this team. <laughs> $333 uh, down, down the drain, but I, uh, Omar was asking to see some DK teams and stuff. And I think it's, it's interesting to see the different dynamics like at play in a, in a team and like walk through it and be like, yeah. no, like I, I'm really happy. I got Diggs and Devante on the same team. Then I got Gabe and Sutton at three, four. Like I love, like it's a dream start. But then it went to shit because you can get locked out really fast on DraftKings. Um, if we want to go through DK exposures real quick, I do have my highest pulled up in the $5 tournament. I did not max this. I hit about 100. It's only showing 103. I only did about 10 more. I haven't synced those particular teams yet. But you're going to see a little bit of discrepancy from my underdog team because there's two more rounds, right? So I'm taking even more flyers on guys like Chris Evans, who I have 32%. I was grabbing him earlier in the year a lot more. Um, stuff like that. Julio, obviously my percentage is higher because you were getting him later. Um, my value on him is great. Zamir White, I had a better value on. He's at 24%. I think for me, my biggest difference would be the quarterback position as we bring it up just because they were going a lot earlier. So... I just had it and it went away. How dare they? I know the quarterback thing is tricky. Yeah. Um, so if we look at it, oh my God, that fucking does that. There it is. Hacker, hacker, tune in, tune in and fix it. <laughs> it. It only happens with the quarterback too. Yeah. So you see, like Lamar, I thought was the best value on DK out of yeah. all of them. Well, so Mahomes I... went a full round before Lamar on DK. It was yeah very different. Yeah, and I was grabbing some of home still, but so I was grabbing a lot of Lamar. I mean, but I still have all the kind of the elite guys, right? It's all the elite. <laughs> right. So Lamar, I still Mahomes, Russ, Kyler hurts Lance. I actually thought Kyler would be my highest because I felt like I was taking him because he was still going in the sixth round on DK. Yep. And I felt like I was pressing him a lot, but there might've just been like a run that I just grabbed Murray like 10 straight drafts or something. Well, you um, get sick of waiting for Kyle. Like, you yeah. know, Kyler's there in this. This this is what happened to me. He's my highest owned quarterback on DraftKings. But mm-hmm. you're just like, am I going to fucking take him like again? And yeah. like, if I don't, if I don't take Hollywood now, I mean, I'm whatever on Rondale. I hate Ertz. Like, it's weird. It, yeah. it, it, it became a little bit weird. And I'm like, I have so much Hollywood and Kyler because it was so easily available. But like, I wanted. I, I kind of wanted more of what you have here. That, your spread, I would prefer that to mine. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was very conscious about elite QB, and I did the Baker thing a little bit more on DK, 11%, Lawrence is at 11%, Trey Lance at 13%, must have been auto picks. Um, yeah, that's so... A lot of fucking, that's a lot of fucking auto picks. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. But yeah, I mean, even some <laughs> of the other guys, Joe Burrow, I had an 8% who I was a little lower on on the other site. And then, like, you look at the guys you can take flyers on. Malik Will is 7% on this site. Because we have that 19th and 20th pick, it's like, well, who are you taking in the 20th round of these drafts? Hell, I might as well take Malik Willis, right? And mm -hmm. just even if he is a third quarterback with an elite build, I'm okay with it if he's going to be a guy that comes in and puts up, like, a 25-point game here or there. And he might advance me in the playoffs. So, like, whatever. It's fine. But that's kind of the way I was building through there. I, I really was interested to see my QBs, though. Um, what, super, what quick, you... super quick, I was going to ask about Josh Allen. Um, because you were really heavy on the elite elite quarterbacks, which I think was very smart. Um, you still got mm -hmm. to 9% Josh Allen on DraftKings. And, uh, you know, and he went even earlier on yep. DraftKings. Was that just one of those? Kind of like the CeeDee Lamb thing where you're like, I just I can't leave my drafts without X amount of Josh Allen and you were just forcing it or or what was your approach to him? Yeah, I would bet if we looked, he's probably on a lot of my digs teams, and that's without you know, I could make a self a fool out of myself here by saying that. But let's look let's look at it real quick. Um Oh yeah. Is he? I, I'm not Oh no. Did you only put digs in? Oh yeah. Yeah, I only put Oh, did I not take him with Allen? That's interesting. That that's an interesting uh, thing that and I did Gabe. not know. Yeah, we'll we'll check Gabe with with Josh Allen. So let's look up Gabe Davis. Let's look up Josh Allen, and see what we did there. So only so Tyrion Davis three. Price season. Yeah, yeah, another one. I mean, the MVS one makes sense, right? But yeah, Terry Davis Price doesn't make that much sense on this. So I don't know what the hell I was doing with Josh Allen on DK. Take out Gabe, X out Gabe. We can just look at the players on the. So it's only. I mean, it's it's only nine teams. Yeah. Knox. So so it looks like it was Knox. Backdoor so, some backdoor stacks. I bet I was trying to set up Allen Gabe a lot and just wasn't getting it as much as I three. wanted to. Yeah, so that's probably what it was. Four Knox, three Gabe, probably a sprinkle of McKenzie or Shakir. Yeah, yeah, yeah McKenzie. Yeah, so that's probably. It was what hard. There. It was he. He was really hard because I don't want to have zero of him on DraftKings, but he goes at like the two, three turn. Two, two, yeah. And if you don't get him, you know, you're they're not going to get him with digs typically. How do you figure out him and Gabe? You know, it, he he was he was he was really tricky actually on DraftKings. It was a little more straightforward on Underdog um, yeah. because it all it aligned a little bit better. But on DraftKings, he he was tough. So I was interested when I saw nine percent. Yeah, so I must have been just taking him and hoping to set something up late. I'm shocked I don't have him with Diggs at all. That's something that I thought. But I guess like when you say he was going two three turn and Diggs is going like the end of the first, it kind of makes more sense. Yeah, right. Um. So yeah, that's. And we saw why we need Allen last night. You saw exactly why you need him because of that type of game last night. Doesn't throw for 300 yards, but he's probably going to be the QB one on the week already. They threw, they only threw 31 times. 
and yeah. he and and he didn't run for a touchdown or he did run for a touchdown but he didn't run for like a boatload of yards yeah and he hit 30 something points he he just destroyed and he like you said and on dk he didn't hit the 300 yard bonus it was 297 297 yards yeah. i mean he's a cheat code he's a he, and that was a that was a i think the rams defense is maybe not quite as good as it's been in the past but it's not a bad defense right and he just it was effortless yeah what did he complete the first 14 balls that he threw mm. so he he's a i don't have a lot of him and after last night it didn't feel good. It, it was hard to good. get them though. Like in fairness, like you have that whole bunch of QBs at that four, five, six range, and he's top third, or like you said, early, early third, late second on DK. It's it's harder to click the button there. But again, I just made it a thing like I need to take Josh Allen some, so I would just click the button. Yeah. I just clicked it and then figure it out from there. What about? Uh... As we, we can we can wrap it up with anything that you like have regrets on or any players you've yep. thought about that you you didn't get the exposure to maybe that you wanted. My biggest regrets um, is Michael Carter. Ooh, um, he's the the engine to the Jets' offense. Did you see the report today? That's yes, what, uh, yeah. Robert Robert Sala, Michael Carter. That 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 <laughs> that's probably a bad sign. So this Garden. this is the the DK one. My if we go to my underdog stuff, it's going to be a lot better on Carter, which I can just pull up real quick. Right where are we at? This this might not, can't be it might right. not update. It might not update it. Yet. Yeah, yeah, that's. I was going to say it doesn't make sense. Uh, search it again. So yeah. it, I got him at eight, and I'm I have big regrets on Michael Carter eight percent just based on where he was going. I felt like I caught on to this a little bit later than I should have, but building anchor or zero RB teams where he was going, I think is the best pick in that range and one of the best picks overall. And I wasn't, I didn't let myself get hip to it until the last two or three weeks. This is my biggest regret. I think Michael Carter is my biggest regret. And I might be low because I'm really big on Garrett Wilson this year because I thought he was egregiously underpriced as well. So I think a lot of what was happening was I would already have Garrett Wilson and I don't want to make a big bet on the Jets offense. <laughs> yeah, no. So I wouldn't take Michael Carter. But I think this is going to be one of my biggest mistakes in on the year. Do you have any yeah. that you're looking gonna... at? I just wanted to flip over to my Michael Carter because uh, I agree you not getting enough of him was probably one of your bigger mistakes. I have 15% of him on DraftKings. Um, we'll see if I can flip over to Underdog really quick. Because, Carter, uh, Carter and Pitts are my two big mistakes this year. He he, Carter was a guy. It, it's also sometimes you luck box a little bit mm-hmm. like I did, like with Henderson. I mean, he was a big guy that I was taking a ton of, but he was also just – the right kind of player for me to be taking when I'm drafting so many zero running back teams and hero running back teams that like get to the 11th round. Like, yeah, you should take Daryl Henderson. Like he's the best pick available. Um, and so he like said, it was just a little bit of blind luck. I think with, with what might be Daryl. I mean, it was week one. Uh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself on Daryl Henderson, but um, let's see if this little, little slow loading, we'll see if I can use her up. Here we go. So yeah, twenty six percent Michael Carter. 
that. On, See, I'd uh, much rather be at twenty six percent than eight percent with him. But he was, and 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 you kind of see, I was, you know. Uh, he got up to 129 ADP and my average is 142. So it was like he was going in those 140s and I was just all these zero running back and here are running back teams, just Michael Carter, Michael Carter, Michael Carter. Yeah. Um, so I feel good about that. You know, I've been, I've been sitting here trying to think about um, who, who my regrets are. And I actually don't think it's a player. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a team and I think it's the bucks because mm-hmm. um, so I have a lot of Rashad white yep. and I took uh, oh, no. that Godwin I, I, exposure is not good. I know, but I convinced myself if you've read any of my articles and stuff over the last uh, few weeks or her uh, read my tweets or really anything, I've convinced myself that the bucks I'm like legit worried. About 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 the Bucks. I mean, this skill group is awesome. I, I don't really have anything negative to say about Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Russell Gage, Julio, even Lenny. Um, obviously, I like Rashad White, but I just decided, kind of like we talked about at the very beginning, I can't cover all my bases. If I want to do it, I'm, I I missed the Julio boat, so it just it is what it is. I missed the Julio thing. Rashad White was the way. For me to bet on the team if I'm wrong about the Bucks and something happens to Lenny, he's the league winner. And he can be okay even in the scenario in which I'm right about the Bucks as a as a late-ish round running back. But man, Brady's 45 now, and the offensive line is he's been really lucky with the offensive line for years and years, particularly with the Bucks, they've had an elite offensive line and you know, he can't move anymore and he couldn't just... move 15 years ago. Right. But he's always had the good offensive line. No, to help that him is with not that. correct. He did not, not have good old lines in, in new England. He had, he had, um, he, he had never had ones. this. He never had this situation and he wasn't 45 is, <laughs> is basically what I'm saying. I'm bet. I'm, Fully admitting that I'm betting against the greatest to ever do it, and yeah. he's a hundred percent gonna dunk on me. He's, yeah. I, I'm like resigned to that fact. We're literally the, the, this fucking segment, Rob, is about our regrets. Of the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I shouldn't have done this. Probably this was stupid. Yeah, but I, I convinced myself, and kind of like the Chargers thing, not necessarily really with Godwin, and obviously not with Rashad White, but it was like. I don't like Lenny at his cost. I don't like Evans at his cost. Godwin early in the offseason, I didn't like his cost. I, I started to to dip my toes in to Godwin um, as the season went on. But it was just like, I don't know, man. I didn't really like him better than everybody at their own, you know, ADP range. And so yeah, when you combine that with some of the concerns, I really I I think they're real concerns. Brady will, like I said, he's gonna you know, he's going to mushroom stamp me uh, by like yeah. week eight or something. But um, I think they're real. So it's the Bucks, not not a one player, but it's definitely the Bucks for me. I, I pulled my Bucks exposure up. I don't know if you want to flip over or yep. I can just read it off. I won off the Bucks a, a lot. So Rashad White is obviously my highest exposed at 21%. But I've been grabbing Godwin the whole time. So I have 17% on Godwin. A lot because of everything you just said. 
So yeah. his offensive line is going to be Swiss cheese. Who was his number one receiver last time that his offense was Swiss cheese? It was Julian Edelman, right? Mm-hmm. Who was the guy that he could get it out quick to, who could get, you know, 10, 11, 12, 187 catches in one game. And Godwin is a better version of Julian Edelman, in my opinion. A like, lot better version. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So, but that, but like to play the same type of role and he's better. And then Julio, me and Corrine victory lapped that for about an hour on the show one day where we, we were, <laughs> I both didn't listen to up. that one. I didn't listen to that one. Cause I didn't want to hear it with my zero <laughs> percent. <laughs> but I always thought he was going to Tampa. It just made the most sense to me that he would go to Tampa. You and so, hacker. I think hacker hacker was on that too. You guys, I, I was wrong. I didn't foresee that one and um, big L totally a bad. uh, It's one of those we talked about at the top. That was like, I had an assessment of Julio and the potential situations and I didn't weigh enough this outcome. And you know, it's not like Julio is like Daryl Henderson of last year where you feel like you just have a massive edge, but he's you're happy. You're, you're very, very, very happy with 18th round Julio and, that was bad. That was a mistake. Um, and I don't hate Evans. I'm not like the biggest fanboy for Mike Evans. I've made fun of him not being able to stay healthy for more than three seconds in his life. But I think Mike Evans was a great example of me using the the ownership tool from us where I would look and I would see zero percent or a low percentage or something and i would start grabbing him with some of my first round picks to make sure that i had a mike evans you know jamar chase combo or a mike evans x combo just to make sure i had it so because i'm not against him i didn't love him and i ended up getting a little overweight on him at 11 percent, but like whatever that's fine um and yeah i was never on russell gage so there there's that we are definitely going to battle with our. We're we're, we're so aligned on so many of these <laughs> um, players, and then literally this last segment where it was like Michael Carter is a huge stand I took, and a yeah. guy you you didn't take, and the Bucks were like not a it's not a big stand you took, but you're in on all these guys, um, and I didn't, and so we will we will find out uh, in a few months. But uh, you have if, you have my two regrets is the thing. You have Pitts and you have Carter. So like I am quite jealous on that front. I I'll be I'll be apt to make sure I don't make that mistake, especially with a high profile guy like Pitts next year. Yeah, he's a great example of just like the Bucks thing is a little different. Like I, I regret the Bucks just general overall situation where it's like if I'm because if I'm wrong, I'm I'm making a bet on a scenario. Mm-hmm. and and that's fine i think scenario based drafting is the key but also if i'm wrong i'm like not buried but like i could be buried by this by this particular scenario and it i did it didn't require that big of a stand i can still take chris godwin i can still take you know i could have taken julio jones in the 18th round um i could have sprinkled some mike evans or whatever it didn't take it didn't require that big of a stand versus um, the cop, the cop. I, I think your Kyle Pitts premise was reasonable. You just read, mm-hmm. you just read the room wrong. 
You right. know what I mean? You just, yeah. just, and that, and that happens. I like, I, I mentioned the David, David Bell was one of my, one of the first articles I wrote this entire year was like, David Bell's a smash. And he was going in like 13th round. And now he's available in the 18, in the, in the, in the 18th round. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the things that, and I, I'm cognizant of the fact of carrying those over. Right. So the pitch yeah. thing is probably the big thing that I'll carry over for next year. Last year it was, don't be scared to take two guys from a later round this year. It's the pits thing. I don't know what next year will be, but when we have these tools available to us, it helps me correct some of those mistakes as we go forward. And to be honest, the tools were great this year. Imagine what they're going to be in nine months. Right. I know. Well, when we, we had, start doing this again, we had such a limited amount of time to even build them. I'm so happy with how it all turned out, but um, just really, you know, I'm not trying to wish away this season. Uh, right. Hopefully, we'll we'll like you know win millions of dollars and buy an island or something uh, in January. But next year, like man, if 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 anybody enjoyed this at all, which I did, obviously I'm biased, but man the the amount of the amount of upgrades we can do in you know six to eight months to get ready for next year is just going to be nuts so only the beginning we learned a lot of lessons we talked about all these different lessons that we learned today and i think we'll be able to put them into practice obviously just through um the human element of drafting but through some of the things that we'll build here at spike week and I can't wait for the midseason best ball tournaments oh, to yeah. open up in six to eight weeks. And then we look at them all, all the ADP there, and our <laughs> brains are absolutely fried. One prediction. How- who's who's the guy who's the guy going, you know, in the fifteenth round or whatever that it at the midseason um in season best ball tournament we're taking in the whatever fourth or fifth or something like that uh, i mean i have to say dearness johnson right like that's Ooh, what I, like I it that's what i have to say uh the, the rams are the rams already sniffing around on the De- on dearness they got i mean cam Akers is just dust right that it's is it over is it do you over think for cam dearness or do you think they'd i feel like they'd be trying to get hunt dearness would be cheaper and they've <laughs> they've they've traded so many goddamn picks that I feel like they would want they would want a little bit of a a discount on a fairly similar player, but um, they also shouldn't trade for a running back. I don't think anyone can run behind that offensive line. Um, But Acres, there were also some clips coming out with Acres that, like uh, one of the one of the times Stafford got sacked, um, defensive tackle just destroyed the the left guard, and Acres made a full fledged business decision to not <laughs> he in like it was like they slow mowed it down and he mm. and he like he steps up right he sees the defensive tackle coming free he went to like an like his instinct was okay i gotta block this guy he like backpedaled oh he, like he like he was like nope not doing that and like and then he like puts his hands up like i'm open like motherfucker you should have blocked that save your quarterback just died don't put your hands up like you're open like we're, you're gonna see it on film but um perhaps I, one of the reasons we didn't see him in the game again yes exactly um i was going to say you mentioned uh a guy that you were kind of heavy on garrett wilson mm. is a guy who i think we could really just see, like has there ever been a top 10 
pick, a top 10 wide receiver pick, right? I, I'm not comparing him to Jamar Chase, but Jamar Chase only won a handful of picks before Garrett Wilson did. And Garrett Wilson has just been buried in fantasy drafts. If he he just has to be better than Braxton Berrios and Corey Davis, and he could come out and flash. Maybe Flacco's better for him. Maybe they go to Mike White. Maybe Zach Wilson comes back and he is a little bit better. I don't know, but we just have this scenario where there's a 10th overall pick, and he doesn't need to do that much to like skyrocket up these draft boards. So I'm I'm very interested to see uh uh where Garrett Wilson goes when we get, you know, eight weeks down the road. To your point, everybody is on Elijah Moore this week for DFS. You might you might secure some bags if you play Garrett Wilson instead of Elijah Moore. Just saying. Just saying. It's something I'm flirting with. I'm trying to figure yep. out my my lineup, what I'm doing. I'm doing the $200 single entry on DK, but I don't know what else I'm going to be firing. I got a, I got, I want to do some MME, but I don't know exactly what yet. So. Yeah, if you uh, did, you max the DK Millie, or uh, did we say no? So they no. gave a, they gave tickets to the yeah, DFS Millie. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. What I've been I've been playing around with 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 uh, my. I'm gonna lock MBS. I just wanted to I just wanted to get that out there. I'm I'm, too. Pro, I'm either gonna I'm definitely gonna lock MBS. I'm trying to decide if I'm gonna lock Mahomes, but it's it's probably gonna be La, uh, Mahomes and Lamar. Is my uh is is my my way to attack this? We're we're gonna Rashad Bateman at like fifty two hundred is like the dude's never gonna be this cheap again. So we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna have some fun on Sunday. I'll and, see you at the top uh, of the leaderboard then because yeah. <laughs> because uh, that Mahomes MVS stack might be I might be a little overweight on that this week. I'm, this I told you I'm locking a hundred, a hundred percent. We'll see you. We'll see you at the top of the, the Millie sweat with uh moms. Anything, any, anything else Tuesday, we'll be back on a regular. I, I apologize to everyone for the fucked up schedule that it has been for uh, the last week, but that's totally my fault. Uh, we'll get back onto a regular schedule. We're also going to be doing in season drafts uh, shortly battle Royale drafts. Uh, Rob mentioned, um, the other in-season drafts, we're going to be right back into it uh, with <laughs> drafting never stops, apparently. But uh, we'll get back to normal Tuesdays with the show. Are you a little sad it's over or are you a little happy? I felt, dude, I, I got the, I, I I had to draft Battle Royale teams this morning. So I have a routine every morning. Like I get up, uh, you know, I have some work I have to do every single morning. I'm walking the dogs, I'm feeding the dogs, I'm doing all that. And there's drafting going on when that's yeah. happening. And I couldn't. There's nothing I could do, so we did some we did some battle royale drafts today. So that did make me uh, more interested in the battle royale stuff. It's it's kind of crazy. I don't know if you've done any yet, but so um, so my fun. routine is I wake up at three forty five in the morning because I have to be to work at five, and as soon as I get to my desk, what I was doing was I was doing one of the five dollar DK drafts. Like at five in the morning was usually when I did my DK draft, and I was so relieved today. Um, I was firing puppies this week, but I was so relieved today when I sat at my desk and I was like, ah, I kind of don't even have to do a draft. And I immediately <laughs> fired one of the battle Royale drafts right away. And I'm like, I'm just a fucking degenerate. And this is just what's going to happen. I, and <laughs> I went for a, I, I, I go for a walk and I also take the dogs for, a, I went for a personal walk this mm -hmm. morning and I come back and I hadn't finished the last battle Royale draft that I was doing. 
and they come back, set the phone down on the in in the kitchen. Wife comes in to talk to me or whatever, and she's she sees my phone. It's got the draft up or whatever, and she's like, "Isn't isn't best balls like aren't they closed? Is there no more drafts?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, this is the you know I'm trying to explain to her what battle royale is." <laughs> and and it's like basically your response to yourself was her response to me. She's just like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> like. <laughs> You just drafted like <laughs> how many how yeah. many teams yeah. over the last months and it's 12 hours later and you can't you can't stop drafting. Yeah. And you're going to be setting these, you know, 150 to 300 <laughs> teams for Sunday and yet here I have to do a a battle royale. So, yeah, there we are. That's that's what we do at Spike Week. We still keep drafting. Uh even though I was so excited I was fatigued and clearly I'm not because I'm still drafting. So exactly for myself, for Eric buying for that was a fun exposure store show store, whatever things we, we've talked for a long time. Anyways, <laughs> we will catch you Tuesday at 6 PM uh, until next time. Peace.